Welcome home to Radiate Church. Man, we're so glad that you're here today. I know it is the first real day that it was cold. Uh, those of you that were at, was anybody at Catfish Storm yesterday? Man, yeah, we had uh, several people out there, and uh, just want to thank so many people of our of our church that not only were there to spectate, but participated and served. And and uh, guys, we gave up out over a thousand invites yesterday, and candy canes, and just slapped hands. We had a, a certain uh, a snowman that was with us, and we had some 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 frozen princesses that were there, Anna and Elsa, and uh, it was just a great time, man. It was so much fun, and got to meet so many people in the community. Such a great time so thank you guys for being there you can go ahead and open your bibles today to to luke chapter 2 that's where we're really going to hang out at today luke chapter 2 and uh, i just want to reiterate something and you're going to hear this a little bit throughout the message today but pastor travis talked about it our amazing executive pastor talked about it in the uh, announcements video but christmas and elgin is on the way y'all christmas and elgin and, and here's what I want to I want to I want to tell you as our church that we 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 changed the name of it as, as you know over the past few years we've called it Christmas at Radiate and here's why we did that because we're not here just for Radiate we are here for the community we are here for the town and so we called it Christmas in Elgin because we are a part we don't want to just be in the town we want to be of the town of Elgin amen and so we want you to grab your invites, be a part of that. We did three services this year uh, to open up capacity and room to fill out the room three separate times so that your friends and family can learn about the birth of Jesus and what that means for our lives. And we're really, really excited about Christmas. It's going to be great. Pastor Chris and his amazing Radiate Worship team was showing me some stuff that they've got planned just the other day. And y'all don't want to, you want to be here, you want to be early. Just let me tell you, because you don't want to miss the beginning, all right? It's going to be, it's going to set the tone for everything. It's going to be so good. And uh, so grab those invite cards. You got several on each seat. Grab as many as you can as you want. If you need more, ask for them, and we'll make sure that you get them so that we can, we can move forward. Today, I want to talk to you on this topic right now. I want to talk to you on this topic. It's this, make room. I know that was a mystery because it wasn't on the screens at all. Make room, make room, make room. Look at your neighbor and say, today we're making some room. Today we're made. look at your other neighbor and say you need to make some room. Make room. I I, uh, I I know the Christmas season is coming up, and how many of you guys are gonna either go to a house or host a dinner at your house for family or friends? Right, some kind of something that you know you're you're gonna do that. And so here's what you're gonna do: you're gonna be like everybody else in the world, right? You're gonna go through and you're gonna get rid of a bunch of stuff, or either you're gonna throw it in a room you're not using and lock the door. Anybody with me on that one? You know, and then you're going to look at your spouse and you say, don't open the door. And if you do jump backwards, right? You know what I'm talking about? Because you got to make room because whenever you want more things, you have to make room for the things that you're doing, right? And so here's what we're doing at my house. We know Santa Claus is coming at my house and I've got three kids and uh, they're incredible kids. But um, y'all, Christmas is crazy with kids. Anybody agree with me in the room? Like... Some of y'all got babies and y'all like, Christmas crazy. No, wait. One and two years old don't count. That don't count because you can give them a cardboard box and it don't matter. You can give them a piece of paper and they'll rip it up and they're happy. But when they get older, praise God, Santa Claus has to bring bigger and more. And it's insane. And so my wife and I have been having this conversation. She told me the other day, she said, hey, in the next two days, we got to go through their rooms and we got to get rid of some stuff. And I was like, for what? 
Because I'm all about getting rid of stuff. Just don't get rid of my stuff. She's like, we got to make room for what Santa's going to bring. And I was like, well, what if Santa don't bring anything? Then we got plenty of room. No, you make room for that stuff. Let me tell you a little oddity about your pastor. I know I, I don't have quirks or oddities. And if you know me at all, you know that's a funny statement because I do. But I, I, I got an oddity about, I got a bubble that's called personal space. And I don't want nobody in my personal space. Anybody with me in the room? I got a bubble, but here's the thing. My bubble is bigger than most people's bubbles. Like, I got a bubble, and I don't want you invading my bubble. I, like, if you're too close to me, it's quit breathing down my neck and get out my face before I karate chop you and Judy chop you in the throat. Like, I don't like that. I, my wife, it's something my wife and I have to have conversations about. This is couples therapy 101 right here. We have to have conversations because my wife likes to hug and cuddle while we watch movies. And I'm like, it's hot. <laughs> we'll be watching a movie. I got my arm on the back of the couch. She's sitting right there. And I don't know what it is, but I cannot just sit there without doing this. And if I try to adjust my shoulder, she's like, I know you just don't want me around you. <laughs> I'm like, what gave you that idea? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Y'all calm down. No, it's not that, baby. It's just my bubble, and I got to get adjusted to you being in my bubble right now. And, and I'm just that kind of guy, but, but that's because I like to have room to move, because if the boogeyman shows up in my house, I got to be able to get up and protect my family without having to push you over on the couch because you're leaning on my good arm. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, here's the thing. Here's the point that I'm, I'm giving today is we make room for what we really want. We make room for what we really want in life. And today, I want to talk about how we're going to make room for Jesus to do amazing things in our lives. Because a lot of times, we pray for God to do miraculous things, but we don't make room for Him to move. We don't make room for Him to move. Because I don't know about you, I don't like being crowded at all. I don't like being in crowds. Because if I'm in a crowd, I feel like I can't get out very fast. And I feel like I can't do things. I can't move like a ninja needs to move when something goes down. When it's crowded. Because when you make room, you're making room for something to move, for something to happen. And, and, and making room is not just about management. Making room is about doing things and making margin to accomplish things. And in the Christmas story, there's an unlikely hero in this thing that, that does some stuff that allows God to do amazing things. And I just want to submit to you that maybe the miracle you've been praying for is not being denied. It's just waiting on room to move. Maybe the thing that you want, maybe the dream that you have, maybe the problem isn't that you don't know how to get there. It's that you've got to make some room for it to move. Because I don't know about you, but when I've got room to move, I can move better. Amen? And I think God is in the same way. And if we aren't careful, if we aren't careful, life will really um, take up time and take up our margin and take up all of our room. And so we never get to the accomplishment of our vision. And it's not because we're bad people. It's because we didn't make room. For instance, if we have a goal in our life of financial security, then the room we have to make is fiscal spending. Are you with me? We have to be careful with how we spend. If I, if I have a goal in my life of being generous, like one of my life goals before I die, I want to be able to reverse tithe. I want to be able to give 90% and live on 10%. 
I want to do that. Well, in order to do that as a goal in my life, in order to do that, I have to budget things and steward things on a different level. I can't get mad that I never get there if Capital One gets all my money. Are you with me? Anybody with me? And so we've got to make room according to the goal. If I want an amazing marriage, then the room I have to make is I have to compromise on some things, like my bubble has to shrink. I have to spend time doing what she enjoys or he enjoys. I have to spend time being romantic and dating again. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know why the flame goes out in marriage? is because most of the time we get so comfortable with each other, we don't ever try to woo each other anymore. Okay, it got quiet on that one. I can't have a goal of a great marriage, but I never make room to be the great spouse. I've got to do that. If I have a goal of uh, my kids growing up and, and loving the Lord with great passion, then I have to create room in my life for them to see that loving the Lord and serving the Lord is fun and joyful and not stressful all the time, right? I, if I have a goal of seeing people's lives change, then I have to create room by inviting people and praying for people and speaking life over people and holding people accountable to what God's called them to and not anything else because I want to see lives change. You see what I'm saying? There's The goal determines the room that you make and how you make it. But the problem is in a lot of this is we want the miracle birth, but we don't want to create the room for the baby. We don't want to create the room for the baby. We don't want to go through our current inventory of stuff. And so what you make room for, I just want you to hear this, and then we're going to Luke chapter 2. What you make room for will manifest itself. Please hear me. What we make room for will manifest itself. Every single time. If I make room for drama, drama manifests itself. If I make room for uh, gossip, Gossip manifests itself. If I make room for um, busyness, busyness will manifest itself. I have to make room for rest if I want to be a, a, a restful person. If I, I have to make room for the Bible if I want to live my life according to God's word. I have to make room for God's voice in my life if I want to be led by his spirit. Do you follow what I'm saying? What I make room for manifests itself. And for some of us, that's a good thing because we look back at our life and we go, well, there's some good things that I must have made room for. And then for some of us, it's scary because some of us are so led by emotions. The only thing we've made room for is what we feel like in the moment and nothing else. And so at the end of the day, we met what manifests itself is our emotions dictate our achievements because our emotions are great indicators and terrible dictators. And when we allow our emotions to dictate us because we're making room for emotion, then it tells us what to do every second of the day. Well, I don't feel like doing that, so I'm not going to do it. I don't feel like listening. I don't feel like honoring. I don't feel like worship. I don't feel like prayer. I don't feel like reading the word. I don't feel like this. I don't feel like that. If we go by feelings, then we're making room for that and we'll achieve that. Are you with me today? And so in, in Luke chapter 2, what you see is the birth of Jesus is taking place. Christmas is beginning to take place in the story that was talked about in Isaiah. And you know the story. Mary finds out that she is, she is pregnant with a child. She has never had relations with a man. And her and Joseph were engaged to be married. And he finds out she's pregnant. And he goes, hold up. And she said, no, it's okay, Joseph. I haven't cheated on you. It was an angel. And Joseph, like any other man, is like, oh, okay, that makes sense. No, Joseph was about to leave her. He's about to walk away and an angel comes up and goes, hold up, Joseph. You're about to ruin the whole narrative, man. Like, you can't do this. 
Here's what's going on. Joseph goes, oh, okay, I got you, angel that miraculously shows up in my life. And so they begin to take precautions and they go to a place called Bethlehem where he was from to be a part of the census. As he gets there, all of a sudden, Mary starts having contractions and her water breaks. The hospital is closed. About to have a baby. I don't know if you've ever been in that situation, but it doesn't happen like Hollywood. I remember when my first son was coming, I didn't know what to expect. All I knew was movies. And when she said it was time to have the baby, y'all, I thought I had 3.4 seconds to get to the hospital before I was delivering a baby in the backseat of the car. And I got there and the doctor looked at me and he goes, yeah, it's going to be a few hours. And I was like, hold up, what? I just risked my entire license over this. Mary's in labor. She gets there. They get to Bethlehem. Joseph goes, wait a second. The, the, the hospital is closed. The doctor is not on call. I can't get a hold of a medulla oblongata, whatever those people are called that helps with that stuff. Shows up and they start knocking on doors. They start knocking on doors. Hey, do you have room? Do you have room? Do you have room? And in verse 7 of chapter 2 of Luke, it says that, um, that and she gave birth to her firstborn son. And she wrapped him in clothes and laid him in a manger because there was what? No room for them in the inn. In the room, the word inn growing up has always given me this idea of, of a, a, a red roof inn or, you know, a Hilton or something like that where they leave the light on for you and it just says no vacancy. The word inn there, if you go and translate it back, is really just a room or a guest room. In fact, uh, when in Acts, when it says they were in the upper room, you could translate that back to be in the inn. It's just a place of accommodation for someone. And so it's not actually a hotel. So they're actually just beating on people's doors. Like, I don't know you, but my wife's about to have a kid and I need you to let me have a kid in your house. And so these people show up and they're like, we don't have any room for you. And he's like, you don't understand. See her screaming over there. She's about to give birth. I need something. And so it says that it gave them, it, they found a room in a barn with a manger. Well, you can kind of relate this back to it's probably under the house or in a cave under the house where they kept, um, where they kept their animals and mangers were actually built in the floor and they were feeding troughs. Isn't it interesting that the one that says he's the living water and the bread of life was put in a feeding trough? For animals and yet he grows up and says I am the bread of life you do not need to live by bread alone but live live by the word of God I, I love the I love the symbolism in that but so they go and they have the baby and it says they have the baby and they wrap him in clothes and swaddling clothes and and they lay him there and and here's the amazing thing about this is a lot of times in this story the homeowners can be seen can be seen as the bad guys I can't believe they told Jared Mary and Joseph that there was no room she was having a baby no what we forget is, it's not that they didn't have room, it's that they made room. They made room. They gave them room to do what needed to be done so that something could be birthed. How many of you are still pregnant for the past 15 years with what God's put in you because you haven't made room for what he wants to do through you? They made room for something to be born into the earth that would change everything. 
And maybe we're like the innkeeper or the house owner to where we say, I don't have room. But what if it said, I don't have room, but I will make room in what? In other words, I will push to the side whatever I need to push to the side so that I can see something birthed in the earth that will change everything in my life. I will go through my inventory and I will put it away because I need to make room for what you're doing. I don't know if you're getting this or not, but the truth is, is when we make room for what God wants to do, he can birth something through us that changes not only us, but every single thing that we're connected to. They said, hey, we don't have any room, but we'll make room for you and we'll put you where you can go into where you have room because they made room. The Savior was born. And here's something I want you to grab today in this story is something miraculous happens when we make room for it. Something miraculous will happen when we make room for it. The more room we make, the more Jesus can shine. They didn't just say, hey, we don't have room, go find somebody else. We don't know. In fact, the story doesn't tell us how many other people turned them away ahead of time. Think about the other houses that they may have gone to that nobody, that they said, we don't have room, we don't have room, we don't have room. They show up to this one and they said, we don't have room, but we'll make room. Everybody else missed out on the fact that there was a miracle born in their basement. But because they made room. The Savior of the universe was born in a place that nobody thought that he would ever be. Nobody ever thought they would be there. And and here's the thing. The point is, is that they were a part of the miraculous Christmas story and never even knew it. What if you're about to be a part of a miraculous story in this world and you don't even know it yet? What if the miracle that you've been praying for is waiting on you to open the door to make room? What if what it could happen and what God wants to do in your life is not dependent on 17 hours of prayer 14 days of fasting, worship, and all these things. What if all of that makes room for the miracle? Wouldn't it all be worth it if the thing that you've prayed for for 15 years came to fruition and all you had to do was make some room in your life for God to do something miraculous? Wouldn't it be worth it if I had to just dig a little bit and plow a little bit to get to the miraculous ending? Wouldn't it all be worth it? Don't you think the homeowners were like, okay, now it's worth it. Now it's worth it. It makes sense. It means something because here's the thing. What we make room for, we will see. I've already said that in this way. What we make room for will manifest itself. I want to ask you today. I just want to ask you this question and I want you to ponder on it throughout the week. What am I making room for in my life? Am I making room for more work? Okay, then don't complain whenever you're overwhelmed with work. Am I making room for more drama? Then don't complain when drama is filling your life. Am I making room for negativity? Then don't complain when negativity happens. Or am I making room for the miraculous birth of Jesus in my life? Am I making room for Jesus to be manifested in your life and in your life and in this church and in this county and in this town? What am I making room for? Because that is exactly what I will see. I can't, I can't. Complain about not knowing what God's voice sounds like when I don't make room to hear him. I can't complain about not being passionate about worshiping God when I don't make room to worship. I can't complain about not having good, godly relationships when I don't make room for good, godly relationships. Are you following me today? The thing is, is we will see what we make room for. The, the other thing is this, I, I want to give you this. We have to stop giving up at the first sign of resistance. 
Stop giving up at the first sign of resistance. What if Joseph, whenever the homeowner was like, we don't have any room. What if Joseph was like, oh, okay, I'll go back out here. Then the, the Christmas story would have been completely shifted, wouldn't it? It never would have taken place like we know it today. But Joseph didn't give up. Joseph didn't stop. He didn't look and go, my wife's pregnant. I can't go all the way across on a camel to Bethlehem to go back to where I'm supposed to go, even though Isaiah the prophet through the... Uh, uh, the Lord through the prophet Isaiah says this is how it's supposed to go. Uh, she's pregnant. I can't do that. My feet hurt. I'm tired. I can't. He just said, no, it's resistance, but resistance makes me better. Let me, let me give you a quick story on this very thought today because many people, let me just throw this out and then I'm going to tell you a story. Many people are weak in their faith because we run from resistance. Stop running from resistance. July the 5th, many of you know this if you've been a part of church, Radiate Church for long, but July the 5th, I had a surgery to remove rib number one on the left side of my body from behind my pacemaker because it was pinching an artery and a nerve in, back there. And on July 5th, I went into the surgery, had the rib. Y'all, I ain't talking about like just moved. I mean like it ain't there. Like it's, I tried to get them to give it to my wife because I thought that'd be funny, but they wouldn't do it. Had a rib removed. I went into the surgery and I thought like, man, you know, after a couple months, I'm going to be good. You know, and it was five weeks later. I started physical therapy. I was like, I'm, I'm a, con does anybody else overestimate what they can do? Any I'm the only one. All right. You know what I see a majority of men doing this. I, I overestimate what I can do all the time. I'll be like, yeah, I can build a house in three days. So I went into this physical therapy and I was like, two weeks later, I'm good to go. I'll be all right. I get in the physical therapy and y'all, I kid you not, my shoulder was stove up. My, my nerves were all messed up. In fact, the hat, bottom half of my left arm is still numb. Like you could flick it. I'd never feel it. It'll happen. I, I, I developed something in that called Horner syndrome to where this eye, when I get tired, droops and it, it's blurry and the pupil is smaller than the right side, like all that stuff. It'll happen. It'll all work over time. But here's the deal. I went to physical therapy to fix all of that, right? Y'all, it has been over six months since the surgery. And guess what? I did on Thursday. I went to physical therapy on Thursday. Because I got there, but here's the thing that I keep looking at, and I get frustrated because I'm the kind of guy, I don't know about you, that if it doesn't happen in five minutes, it may not ever happen in my life. You know what I'm saying? Like, and so after the first month of physical therapy, I was like, I'll never be healed again. I'll never be normal. Right? He was like, what are your goals? I was like, I just want to live. Right? And so I'm doing this, this, these, these things, and here's one of the th exercises. I hold on to these two uh, uh, handles that are hooked to a pulley up there, and I pull with my good arm, my, right, my left arm up, and here's all it does. It stretches the nerves and the tendons and the, and the muscles in there, right? So I go in there, and y'all, for six months, I'm doing stuff like this. You know how stupid you feel doing this all the time? Like, I stood in the office for a little while and just did this number, trying to be Batman, apparently. I don't know. It stretches things. I don't know what it does. All this stuff happens, and y'all, what I've seen over time is when I went in, this was as far as I could lift my arm. This was it, right here. And that was painful. Y'all, I went in the other day. He said, you're a couple weeks from discharge, man. You can lift it. Your arm has more range of motion in the left side than it does the right side now. And there were times where I went in, and I couldn't lift. I couldn't do. Y'all, he had me doing three-pound dumbbells like this one time. I couldn't lift it with my left hand. 
But today, I, I, he's released me to go back to the gym and start doing some stuff. Here's why I tell you all this. The only thing that gave me full range of motion back was resistance. I had to be willing for months to endure some pain that I didn't want to go through. I didn't want to pay for because I had to pay for it. It ain't free. I had to go through things that hurt. I had to go through things that were frustrating up here because you felt like you were going backwards sometimes. All this stuff in order to get to a place to where I was better. Here's why I'm telling you all that. Don't run from resistance because resistance gives you a range of motion that gets you to a place to where the promises can be fulfilled in ways you never thought possible. Run towards the resistance. Don't you put a comma. Don't you put a period where God put a comma. Walk into this thing and see what God's going to do through your life. Don't put a period where God put a comma. Because what if the story's not over and he's just taking a breath? Are you with me today? What if I would have looked at my physical therapist and said, you know what? I'm probably never going to be healed again. I got this eye thing. I got all this. My arm's still numb. I don't know what to do. The blood's still backing up. All this stuff's frustrating. I ain't coming back. I never would have gotten to a place where I was even remotely close to being healed. Maybe, maybe the weakness of your faith is not God turning his face. Maybe it's you turning away from the resistance that makes you better. Don't run from resistance because every moment of resistance is not a denial. It may just be a setup for later. Because God may not be saying no, he may just be saying not right now. And if I walk away at the not right now, I'll never see what the right now could have been. Are you with me today? In this thing, like, we can't run away from resistance. Don't put a period where God put a comma. And here's why. Here's why. Because God, uh, the external circumstances we live through never changes God's promises. God doesn't look at you and say, this is what I promise you if these things don't happen to you. No, God goes, this is what I promise you even if these things happen to you. Because external circumstances, some of us, I just, I think there's some people in the room today and I can tell by how quiet it is that we're soaking this up. The truth is, is that there's some people in the room today that need to know that just because something's happening to you doesn't mean that God is punishing you. It doesn't mean that the promises are changing. It doesn't mean that his principles have shifted. It doesn't mean that he doesn't look favorably upon you. It doesn't mean any of that. Here's what it means. It means that resistance is making you better and increasing your capacity so that when the promise comes to fruition, you can handle it and you don't have to be destroyed by it. Resistance, hear me, always makes us better. Don't you run from resistance. We will regret it. And the last thing is, as we're making room for Jesus, I need you to hear me. When we make room for others, we are making room for Jesus. Jesus's entire life, his entire ministry, everything Jesus was about, hear me, was about others. In fact, Jesus made this statement as he walked the earth in ministry, he said, I came not to be served, but to serve. In other words, he was making a declaration that this life is not about me. It's about everybody that needs to know me. Jesus even made this statement in another passage in another place. He said, I came to seek and to save those who were lost. Not to come and comfort those who already know me. No, he didn't come to comfort people that are already in relationship with him. He came to inspire those that are in relationship with him to go get people that are not because the kingdom is too good to hold to ourselves. When we make room for others, 
we are making room for Jesus. Think about this for a second. The homeowner had every opportunity. It was their house. They didn't have to do anything. They probably put their horses and their cattle and their donkeys and all this stuff out in the cold in order to accommodate Mary, Joseph, and Jesus in the moment. And here's what I want you to know. They made room for someone else to give birth to what God promised them. God didn't promise the homeowners anything. He only promised Mary and Joseph something, didn't he? But they made room for somebody else's promise to come to fruition. That is the entire ministry of Jesus in a nutshell right there. Hear me today. When we make room for others, we are making room for their promise to come to fruition and we get to be a part of it. I don't know about you, but I'll do whatever I need to do to see promise come out of somebody, potential to come out of somebody. My entire life existence is to look into what God's promised you and learn what I've got to do to inspire you to get better so that I can see God's promises in your life come out. That's, that's the goal. we got to make room for others. Because when we make room for others, we always make room for Jesus. How many people, please hear me, this is going to be a weird statement. I'm going to go ahead and just preface it with that, but I need you to see through the surface. How many people are walking around you today? How many people will walk around you at work tomorrow, in Food Lion today, wherever you are, right? How many people will you bump into today that are pregnant with something that nobody ever made room for them to give birth to? How many people are we in relationship with that have great destinies on their life, but nobody has cared enough to make room to see something happen? I'm grateful for a, a man named Jonathan Cook, who was my youth pastor when I was a, a teenager, that saw something in me. And he made room in his life to where I hung out with him and we went to dinner together. And when he preached places, I went with him and he allowed me to preach my first sermon at 15 years old in front of my peers on Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. And I couldn't even say the names, but I preached for 10 minutes. I'm grateful for a man that looked at me and said, you got a great big destiny on your life and I want to do what I can right now to see that happen. I'm grateful for people in my life right now that I have no reason to have contact with that have made room in their life because they look at me. And one of them looked at me within the past month and said, I wish you could see in you everything I see in you. That's making room for other people's promises to be birthed on my dime and in my way. And I will make room for that. When we talk about it, Radiate Church, we're making capacity. We're creating capacity. We're opening up room. Do you know what I'm actually saying? I'm making room for somebody's destiny to be birthed out of them no matter what it takes from me. When I hand out an invite, do you know what I'm saying? I will make room for your purpose to be birthed through Jesus. I will make room no matter what it takes because I believe in you enough to invest in your eternity. And I will not stop. When I pray for someone, I'm making room for them to give birth to what God's placed in them. When I serve with someone, I'm making room for what God has placed in them. When I love someone, I'm making room for what God has placed in them. Do you see what I'm saying today? Everything we do is making room for Jesus and others. And church, hear me today. I want to give a very big challenge. If we get through Christmas and we don't make room for hundreds of more people to hear about Jesus, we've missed it. 
If we get through Christmas and we don't make room for others, we've missed it. We've missed it. Because hear me, Christmas is not just for you. Christmas is for everybody. There's no exclusion. The gift is available to everybody. And here's the thing, like I'm grateful for people that made room for me. Who's going to look back and say they're grateful because you made room for them? I hope at the end of my life, there's hundreds and thousands of people that would say I'm grateful because Pastor Brandon made room for me. Because Pastor Brandon may have held me accountable, but he made room. He believed in me even when I didn't. And I hope people say the same about you. And so here's the thing, like I want us to leave here today thinking about this. It's time to make room for the miracles God has for us. It's time that we make room for the promises God has for other people. We do that. We do that by inviting people. Listen, guys, this isn't just to fill the room. This is about making room. I'm closing with all this in just a moment, so hang tight. Do you know why I want you to grab 500 invites and give every one of them out over the next two weeks? It's not because I want to get up here and preach to a full room. It's not because of any of that. Here's why. Because I want to make room for people's destiny to come out. Do you know that Lifeway put out a study a couple years ago, and here's the overwhelming thing that they said. People that don't have a church to attend, over 80% said that they would attend if they were invited. I talk about that stat all the time. Hear me. It's not just going, oh, I hope people show up today. It's going, I want to make room for you, and I want to make room for you, and I know we work together, but I want to make room for you, and I know you're just my cashier at Food Lion. I want to make room for you, and I want to make room for you, and I want to do what I need to do because I believe every person, if we really believe every person on the planet has a purpose, we have to make room. That means inviting people. That means serving with reckless abandonment. That means getting out there and going, I'll do what I need to do to see people come to life in Christ. It means attending with people when I invite them. Hey, I've, I, you know what? I usually go to 10, but I'll go to 1130 with you. Come on, sit with me. I'll serve 10. I'll sit at 1130. Come on, let's go. It's walking with them. It's attending, it's serving, it's inviting, it's praying. Please, please hear me today. I want you to walk out of here and I want you to grab handfuls of those invite cards. But before you hand them out, I want you to pray over them. And I want you to say, God, every person that I put these in somebody's hand, let it do something in them that brings them to church. Whether it's this church or another church. But Jesus, we want them to know you. You know, we gave out over a thousand invites yesterday. You know, I prayed over every single one asking Jesus to make them so alive in people's lives. That it wasn't just a candy cane attached to it, but it was a purpose attached to it. And so church, I, here's, here's my close. I just want us to walk out of here today because I say this all the time and I'm going to continue saying it. You're going to get tired of hearing me say it, but I'm going to say it because I think we need to know it and we need to get it and it needs to come down in us is this. We can hear the word and we can hear a good sermon, but in doing nothing about it does nothing. But when we go and we live it out, God does amazing things. Will we make room for what God wants in your life, in this church, and in the lives of others you're connected to. My hope, my prayer, and what I'm telling you today as your pastor is I will make room. 
Here's your next step. It's really simple. Grab as many invites as possible and fill this room up in all three experiences at Christmas. And let's watch God do miracles. If you're not serving anywhere, next step for you may be on Christmas, just go, I'll help out on Christmas. I'll, where do you need me? Just stop by the Connect Center. They'll help you out. But I want to make room for people. Amen? Are you with me today, church? Would you stand to your feet with me today? Let's just pray. Father, we thank you that you made room for us. Before anything else, you made room for us. And, and God, as we go through the Christmas season, we hear the Christmas story, let us not forget that it's making room that makes the miracle. Let us do what we need to do to make room. God, I pray that each and every one of us would take the personal challenge to make room, to invite, to pray, to oversee, to invest in people. God, let us make room in our lives for what you want us to do. Let us change what needs to be changed. Let us do what needs to be done so we can make room for who you are and what you are. God, we just want to glorify you. And God, I just pray. I pray that this would start a moment to radiate church, turns a corner, that we never turn back around. And God, let us walk out of here and every invite that is given out, let a purpose and an anointing be attached to it that lights a fire in people so that we can go out and change the world. We want to make room for you and we want to make room for others. God, we honor you, we worship you, and we praise you with all we have. In your name we pray, amen. Radiate Church, I love you. I cannot wait to go through this again with you next Sunday. Grab your invite cards. Let's go change the world. I'll see you next week.